Hello, Auburn family. This is Jason Campbell, your host of On to Victory podcast. Today, we are in for another special treat. I have my co-host today with me as well, Mark Murphy, who works with 247 Sports. So Mark will be chiming in, asking questions. But we have a great lineup for you today. Starting the SEC tournament week, this week we want to start off with one of our own, Dylan Carwell. We also will have Coach Bush Thompson. And to lead it off for the rest of this week would be Coach Greg Williams. So, guys, you're in for a treat. I hope you tune in, continue to subscribe and support our own to victory and everything that you do. Thank you for your generosity. Let's go ahead and get started and chime in. All right, Auburn family, like we said, here's Dylan Carwell. Let's wait no longer than bring in the show, the man, you know, the, the guy I call the hype man for Auburn, Dylan Carwell. What's going on? What's going on? Hey, can't complain, man. Just happy to have you on the show. How's life? Man, life is great, man. Just blessed to be here. You know, appreciate every opportunity I can just to glorify God and continue just to show my support and love for Auburn, man. Hey, Bill, I got the question for you, though. I always see you at the football games. Of course, I'm in the radio booth and I call in a football game. And I always see you down there in the student session or close to it, you know, getting the crowd hype. Like, what's behind all that? Did you ever want to play football? Uh, no, I just have a deep, you know, passion for football. You know, I just, I just, I was talking about it the other day. I just find it crazy that, you know, 90,000 people are just watching one sporting event at the same time. And just, it's just crazy. But growing up, you know, I played football and I just, I just really wasn't for me, you know, um, like a lot of people were targeting my knees. I just like, you know what, I'm not, it's not (laughs) very safe for me, but you know, I love football. I think college football is the best sport to ever be played really outside of basketball. Um, I prefer watching college football over, over the NFL. So I just have a, a passion for college football that just doesn't make sense, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, you can chime in. I'll let Mark go ahead and chime in here, and uh, he'll ask you a few questions. Well, Dylan, it's uh, March is here. It's tournament time, and this is what college basketball players train for year-round. Uh, just where do you think you guys are as a team heading into the SEC tournament? Man, we're right where we need to be, in my opinion, you know. Um Last year's team, we got to the we got hot real quick. You know, we got hot in kind of like January, uh, beginning of February, and we weren't a, gr- a very experienced group of guys. Um, you know, no one in that team had March Madness experience outside of Walker Kessler, and you know he didn't really play much that freshman year of his. So like we were an unexperienced team playing against one of the most experienced team in college basketball in Miami. And, you know, this year, I just feel like you know I feel like we had our ups and downs. But with the experience that we have and, and making comebacks, the experiences that we have uh, in the March Madness tournament and stuff like that, you know, I feel like we have a good group of guys to make a run. The uh, How important was it for you guys to play so well on Saturday against Tennessee? It was very important, you know. Um, it takes a lot of stress off the SEC tournament and allowing us just to go there and really focus on the job at hand rather than, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, two things at the same time as far as, oh, we got to come to this tournament and not only just win it, but we have to win it so we can get into the um, – NCAA tournament. Now we can just focus on, you know, playing our best in the, in the SEC tournament, and winning that rather than having that pressure and like the weight of the world on us. You know, Dylan, you you personally and a lot of your teammates have a really good connection with the students and the fan base in general. Uh, I guess it's got to be exciting for you to see Sunday, Saturday afternoon, one o'clock, seventy-five degrees, beautiful weather. Students are on break. A lot of faculty are on break. The place is packed out. It's really, really giving you guys a great home court advantage. Uh, how big a deal was that to you guys? Oh, it was, it was a big deal. You know, a lot of teams, um, you know, this this late in the season, 
uh, their season's already over. You know, their fans don't come to the games anymore. Um, you know, they're just ready to pack it up and go home, especially, you know, with um, with spring break right there. I know a lot of people had that, you know, incentive to go home and just call it a, a, a day. But, you know, it showed a lot about the Auburn family, you know, just having our backs, having our support, you know, with our back against the wall. We needed that. We needed that game. And I'm just grateful that the Auburn family showed up, you know what I'm saying? Because we didn't we, we need them just as much as, you know, we needed that win. You guys yeah. did a great job sharing the basketball on Saturday. To me, that seems like a real key to success and keeping the turnovers down and the assist up. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, our best games are when we were passing the ball. Uh, when we lost um, against Kentucky, uh, no, when the first time we played Tennessee, we had five assists. And, you know, that's, that's losing basketball and not passing the ball. So when we get everybody else going, when we get multiple guys in double digits, that's when we're a great team. Bill, I got a question for you. You know, you talk about momentum. I know the game is all about momentum and uh, hitting all the cylinders at the right time. And like I said, you guys play some, a lot of close games uh, here down the stretch. And, you know, some of them, you know, we get towards the end of them, we, you know, we lose, but then some of them we win. And what do you think is going to take moving forward in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, you know, because all these games are going to be close. Like, yeah. now you have to walk out of there. And what have you learned from those games that can help you guys in the SEC, SEC tournament and the NCAA? Yeah, we'll just realize we're playing for something bigger than ourselves each and every day. You know, each each game from here on out could be the last game of our season. And, you know, I don't think we realized that last year's team, you know, we were so we were so stars to the last year's team. We're like, oh, man, like, you know, we lost the SC tournament. And we're like, okay, you know, we have March Madness to, bow, to bounce back. You know, now we don't have that luxury right now. Like, we don't, every game is not promised. So, you know, we're in those huddles and it's four minutes left to go and it's a tight game. We got to understand, like, we don't have another game. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to put everything out there because at the end of the day, you don't want to you don't want to look back 10, 20 years from now and be like, dang, I would I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did that. You know, we have a chance to just write our own history. We have a chance to make our own history. And I just feel like once the guys understand that, you know, collectively, that these games will start having different outcomes towards the end of the season. Dylan, I want to ask you about the rematch with uh, Arkansas. You guys played real well the first time against them and you remember much about that game, and uh, what do you think you guys will need to do well on Thursday night? Yeah, well, stopping them in transition, you know, that's where we struggled at last game we were with them. Um, Anthony Black is, is a great point guard, and he got a lot of his points in transition, and he got about, like, 20-something free throws. So we have to stop fouling him in general, but just stop fouling and sending those guys to the free throw line and then just making sure that we're getting back in transition and having five-on-five five rather than just, you know, five-on-four. You know, that's a big um, – that's a, that's a big advantage they have on, on the on us is that they, they, they're just pretty fast in transition, so we got to make sure we're on, on that. A couple of your teammates uh, were named to the All-SEC second team today, uh, Wendell Green and Janai. Uh, uh, what makes those guys good players? Man, just the they, got, they walk around with a chip on their shoulder, you know, being both OVC guys, but just they just come into the SEC being doubted and just um, – and just every day they, 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 just, they just put in the work to show that they not only, you know, belong, but they have the opportunity to dominate each and every day. You know, those guys are dogs um, mentally and physically, and they just try to, you know, do their best, just show it each and every day. So I feel like they came into this season with, a, with something to prove, and, you know, they just, they just showed it. Bruce Pearl's uh, generally not laid back at any time, but uh, tournament time, he really turns it up a notch. Uh, how, is it, how excited do you think he's going to be for this game coming up Thursday night? Oh, uh, I think very excited, you know. Um, Arkansas, in my in my years here, Arkansas had our number, and I think I've only beaten them – I think I've beaten them once in my three years here, you know. 
So I just feel like, you know, each and every game is a personal game. You know, Texas and them, we're not looking too far ahead, but Texas and them is the next game after that. And, you know, it's just like we owe a lot of these guys um, some give back. And so I just feel like Bruce, Bruce is pretty going to be pretty excited and the whole team's going to be pretty excited, but not just, you know, to get revenge, but more just to prove a point that we're not, you know, we're not the team everybody thinks we are. We're greater than we think everybody is, you know. Uh, I say this, though, man, y'all uh... – like finishing that game out this weekend was huge. You know, I was mm-hmm. there. I saw y'all dancing in the locker room after the game. I saw Coach Pearl getting in there doing his little dance and and everything as well. So the excitement is headed in the right place. But just to flip the script here a little bit, um, Dylan, the reason we have you on as well is talk NIL. You know, yeah. you think about like what NIL means for you guys and how NIL has helped you and some of your teammates. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, NIL has been a big help for me because I'm all about financial freedom and just trying to understand, you know, how to make my money work for me. And it's a great, you know, opportunity for just for me to have like more money on the side to just make investments and stuff like that and learn more about money rather than just depending on basketball itself. But making money off of my name and stuff like that helps a whole lot. And it just allows me to experience things that my freshman year I was never allowed to. And I get to, you know, get free food. I get to you know, go to go to events, not and then get paid for my time because you know time pretty much is money. So it just it just allows, you know, the college fans to show their appreciation for you. And you know, I'm very appreciative of the uh, opportunities that I've I've gotten from NIL. Yeah, and I would say this too, man. Uh, the one thing about NIL it does for you guys too, like you said, set up your future. But people don't realize how what your practice schedule look like. You just walk our fans and our subscribers through just one day of, of school schedule with practice mm-hmm. tied in. And then, you know, I asked you a couple of rapid fire questions before we let you get out of here. Okay. Uh, just, uh, but can you just answer that one first? And then I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Yeah. So my day, I, I have a heavy schedule on Tuesday. So I'll walk you through my Tuesday. Um, I got an 8 a.m. lift uh, on a Tuesday. This is while we're in season. So 8 a.m. lift. Then after that, I, I get a stretch in, and then I have a class at 9.30, such a lecture. And then right after that class, I, that class goes at 10.45, and then I have a class at 11. And that class gets out at 12.15, I have a class at 12.30, and that class gets out at 1.45. After that, I get I get a quick lunch, and then I head straight into practice. We have practice at 2.30, and that's about like an hour and a half of film. And then after that, we're on the court for about an hour and a half. And we pretty much finish practice around like, you know, 5.45, 6 o'clock. And after that, you know, just some extra workouts that I put in. So probably like some, some hook shots and some free throws. And then, you know, I finished my day around like seven o'clock eating dinner, you know, so there's no free time to like really hang around. There's no free time to, to just do whatever, you know, so I'm always either in the gym or in the classroom, you know, so right. it's pretty extensive. Yeah, that's good. Cause everybody don't know, understand skill. They think you just practice and play and Mark, yeah. you know, Mark, you around the game, you watch us, you know, you cover sports and everything at Auburn. So you see the work and the time that goes in it, but everyone kind of forgets that these guys have to go to school and the ladies, they have to go to school and, uh, and also do well academically. Mark, do you have one more question for, I kind of put uh dealing on the hot seat. Well, it's not going to be a question. I'm just going to say, you know, Dylan is one of the really good guys I've had a chance to cover over the years, and I've covered a lot of Auburn athletes and, and sports teams. And uh, um, my wife doesn't go to a lot of sporting events, but she does a lot of proofreading for the, all of our articles we do. And uh, she watches a lot, and she says uh, she really likes Dylan. And she's a good judge of character, Dylan. So yeah. that's a big check mark on your favor. Yes, sir. Thank you. Cool. All right, Dylan, here you go. Rapping fire. We'll give you five quick questions and then we'll let you get out of here and uh, go take care of your business. Who's your favorite music artist? Um, 
Marvin Gaye. Oh, okay. Old school. Old school. Yeah. All right. What do, you, what do you do to calm your butterflies before a big game? Worship music. I listen to worship music and pray. Yeah. What's your favorite food to eat the night before a big game? Um, Probably salmon, broccoli, and uh, probably mac and cheese. Okay. Threw one good carb in there. One yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite place to eat at in Auburn? Um, bomb Howers. Love Bomb Howers. Cool. All right. One more. Do you have any rituals or superstitions? Cause I know some guys, you know, everybody has these different things they do. Do you have anything differently that you do before a game or uh, you had yeah. a big game, you want to do it again? I'm not really superstitious. It's something I've always done since I was a kid, but like with my, um, my socks on my loop, however they come, I just put them on. So if they're, in, if they're inside out, I just keep them on inside out. And people don't really notice, but I usually wear my socks inside out some, like every other game. Yeah. And they're usually on the wrong foot. So the left foot's on the right foot, the right foot's on the left foot. But it's just like, I don't, I don't really have the energy to, you know, turn them in, turn them out, you know? So yeah. that's my superstition, I guess. Right there you have it, Auburn fans, Auburn family. Thank you for subscribing and tuning in to Own the Victory Podcast. Dylan Carwell, we wish you much success and wish you all the best in the SEC tournament and March Madness. And uh, thanks for your time and coming on and giving these fans an opportunity to hear, you know, not just see you guys shoot the ball on the court, but also get a chance to know you behind the scenes. So appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for the opportunity. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle, this is John Cohen, and I fully endorse On to Victory and its mission to support our student-athletes. Let's all do our part and join On to Victory today. War Eagle. Hello, Auburn family. As we promised earlier, we'll be bringing you our top notch today, and we have no other than Coach Butch Thompson, one of our best guys on campus, uh, just as good as a person as he is a coach, and We'd like to just welcome him into the show. Coach, how you doing? Man, War Eagle, Jason. Uh, Eagle. Mark there. Uh, yeah, Jason, man, I'm so excited about everything you've done for Auburn. Somebody that's been such a great player because a lot of us coaches, we came from somewhere else, right? We cut our teeth somewhere else. We coach. We've moved around a lot. And I, I'm always impressed everywhere I go when good people, part of a university, they invested there, got their degrees, and continue to stay in the game and become a huge part of – their university that they love so much. I just, I thank you on so many fronts of what you do. And I think I speak on behalf of all of Auburn and saying that. Well, I appreciate it, coach. You know, like I always tell everybody, you know, you love Auburn, Auburn will love you back. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, I always tell them, I like, when you come through this, when you come through college, I always tell the guys that's, that's, that's playing ball and the ladies when I speak to them is, you know, you're renting those seats for four years. You know, what are you going to do within those four years to build a legacy for yourself? And, you know, and don't take it for granted, you know, come through there and make the most out of it. You know, it'd be the best four years of your life, uh, some of the best four years of your life. And uh, it can help set you up for future. But, Coach, just talking about that, we was on the show before it started, you know, you and Mark and myself. And we was talking about the, the roller coaster you guys have coming up, you know, 12 games. I mean, 12 days. You have nine games in 12 days. How do you even get practice in? <laughs> hey, you know, what? it's amazing. We just played three games. Uh, swept our series this weekend off to a good start. We got to get better in so many areas. So you bring up a great point because you're a competitor. How can you keep playing all these games but keep growing and getting better and keep finding solutions to adjustments? And so tomorrow's good. Now, we are on spring break, so there's no being stressed over class and coming to the field. We can get them to the field a little bit earlier. And we just, you know, being the home team in baseball, you always have batting practice first. 
So we're going to make it a little bit earlier and get a little bit of practice. Now, you know, the guys that's a QB1 like you were, you know, maybe QB2 and QB3 will get a lot of those early practice reps if we bring them in because, you know, everybody that the fans see that's the three and four hole hitter, the, the weekend pitchers, everybody gets to see them. But, you know, the future or one injury away, you're going to have that next crew of guys in there. So uh, that's what we're doing tomorrow. We play a UAB team at home at 6 p.m., uh, but we're going to get out there like 45 minutes early and practice with some of those guys that maybe didn't get the game reps because it can happen so easily where you're playing all these games and you've got 15 people wore out, but you've got 30 people that want in a game that need reps. So we're trying to manage that. That's a huge concept to where you, you have to stay ahead because a couple of weeks can go by and you not pay attention to that. We That was a huge part of our meeting this morning to make sure that – we can get some guys some some additional reps that maybe not getting in the game, but, but you got to stay sharp, man. I don't care how much you play and how much you got going on. The game reps sometimes can can dull the axe a little bit. Where if you if you're really locked in, I do think ten or fifteen minutes the right way, working on the right one or two things can absolutely allow you to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, I'll let you uh, go ahead and chime in. But yeah. Fortunately, you guys had some pretty decent weather for this time of year, and the fan support's just been wonderful out there. I think people are starting to figure out, uh, even the casual fan, SEC baseball is special. And uh, uh, you guys have brought in so much talent uh, to be competitive in the SEC, and each year the team changes a little bit. But uh, uh, I know you still got a way to go before you get to the SEC, but how's this team developing right now? Well, you know, it's still last year, it seemed like half the team was new, half was returning, coming off a tough year in 21. And to bounce back and get right back to that Omaha level, final eight, finishing, I think, fifth or whatever it was, was was huge for our program to get right back set into to, to trying to play up, if you will. And then, you know, the draft hit us hard. And I think the biggest thing, Mark and Jason, of all that we were losing last year was five pitchers drafted in the top 12 rounds, three in the top five rounds. And, you know, we didn't lose talent. I think we have a consensus top 10 recruiting class that's on campus and is on this ball club, but 18 returners and 20 new guys. So we kind of find ourselves still in this process of like, hey, this is the first time these players have heard our system, the words we say. Uh, the things that we're trying to accomplish with our program, um, really, you know, giving themselves up a little bit to match the culture. So all that stuff's going on. And I don't think because of that recruiting class that we've lost talent on the mound and we absolutely lost some good ones, but we did lose experience. And there's, it is, it, it's hard to get experience. Talent's one thing, but to get experience and how you should sink, sequence stuff compared to high school, compared to the SEC or even junior college to the SEC. And that's the tough thing when our players leave our program. When you leave the SEC and go into professional baseball, you got to change again. They immediately throw a wood bat on you instead of an aluminum bat. It's a whole new deal. So I keep telling high school guys, stay where your feet are planted and try to be the best pitcher in America. Leave a legacy at your high school and figure that combination out because our recipe will be completely different in the SEC. And then when you go to professional baseball, it'll change again. So – uh, you absolutely have a group of guys that, that are here for the first time, but we're hanging in there. We have played such good offense and defense consistently that we've had some growing pains on the mound and still find ourselves 9-1-1, one, and one, I guess, is our, our record as of today. But 
the process and gaining this experience. The only way I know how to get it are, are in these games. So we've thrown 16 pitchers into a ball game so far, and that's not sustainable. You know, you get to SEC play and that 16 goes to eight. And who's your best eight at the end of the day when you've gathered all the information, you allowed the players to make the lineup out. Then you got to go to work with your eight guys and nothing really changes unless you get an injury or something like that into the into the mix. But uh, all these guys have been given a chance. We've been trying to get as much experience as we could, um, even on some tough innings and some tough outings, because 16 pitchers is a lot to keep sharp, if you will. But uh, that's what we're trying to do. So we we know every time we step on the field, this is the SEC. You're trying to win a ball game. But I'm trying to balance those two things of how can I develop this roster the best I can, get that experience, win every time we get on the field. And uh, so far, so good. We still feel like we're it's a tough balancing act, but we think we're still accomplishing both. Butch, um, how important is leadership and, and team chemistry in, in high-level college baseball? Yeah, well, for me, I think it's everything. Uh, you just start looking, okay, I'm, I'm bragging about this is a consensus top 10 recruiting class. Next year looks like it's going to be a consensus top 10 recruiting class as well. We had three Team USA, 18U gold medalists out of 20 players representing our country uh, that are signed to come to Auburn. The, the draft will be tough for us here in June, but that's the most of any school in America. So uh, that's amazing. But when you start saying number five recruiting class, number eight, the challenge and this is what's crazy, Jason. It's just like in football, basketball, all of our sports. Our recruiting class might be top 10 in the country across the board, and it might be fourth, fifth, or sixth in the SEC. Right. And that is just mind-boggling to me. Last year's journey with our team is, you know, Stanford won the Pac-12. We beat them. We went to Oregon State, the number three national seed, and beat them in their super regional. Great programs. I'm not taking anything away. But at the end of the day, the SEC West is who put us out of a run for a national championship. So uh, recruiting's going great. And to answer the question finally, Mark, it's, I think, for me personally and for Auburn baseball, and if you're asking me to be the head coach of a team, the culture and the leadership is, is the most important thing. So we have to recruit at a high level, and we are. We're doing a great job. Carl Nunnemaker was just named. He's the current national assistant coach of the year, the first Auburn assistant to ever uh, win the award. We are recruiting at a high level competitively in the country. But this is about, you know, the inches of our deal and trying to find a way. We haven't won a national championship yet, so we're hunting for those inches. I do think it's in leadership. I do think it's in our culture. And that that's what we're trying to do to – we want, I want to have the strongest culture in the country. And, you know, we got three great captains this year. Um, you know, Casey Howell has been around for a while. He's our alpha. He's the one that kind of everybody goes to, reports to. I don't talk to the team after a ball game. My words are more positive and usually more measured, more applicable, and more solution-oriented if I wait till the next day. Sometimes right after a game, it's usually, for me personally as a head coach, it's usually a little more negative. Uh, it's, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's focused on the problems. If I, if you give me 10 or 12 hours, I usually can come back with solutions and I'm ready to go again. And so by me not doing that right after a ball game, it allows Case and Howell, Bobby Pierce and Nate LaRue to get with the team every time. And it allows them to grow and build that space and for them to keep temperature for them to keep 
telling them what to do. You know, we have three words in our program since we got here. Jason's already hit on one of them. It's attack, legacy, vision. And we try to keep it that simple, but we absolutely try to address it every single day. And uh, the more I can empower our older players, our best leaders to have a voice and be able to stand in front of the group um, and me take a day and a moment to come back with the right information, the right solutions, the things that we need to do, um, it works pretty well for us. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, is, uh, you know, there's a great book, Legacy by James Carr. It's spelled K-E-R-R. It's 15, 15 lessons in leadership by the New Zealand rugby team. They're referred to as the All Blacks. They're the ones that chant and, and, yeah. and do. And you, you look at all these professional teams over the last hundred years and all these programs that we think have won the most. Well, they have. They've won 86% over the last century. They're the winningest deal. And their culture um, is a lot of pieces of what I'm trying to do. And those 15 lessons in leadership, just the first chapter to give you a snippet is sweep the sheds. Now we would call ours dugout, our locker room, and they call it the sheds. And the people that sweep the sheds for, for, for New Zealand, for the rugby team, are their oldest players, their most mature players. They're the ones that when the bus is at the end of the trip is got a hand on a bag of trash and making sure looking in between the seats before they, before they tip their hat to the bus driver and thank them for getting us back safe. Mm -hmm. uh, because what happens in cultures that I've been in before and happens like from a human nature standpoint, uh, instead of the oldest, most mature guys staying around the longest after practice or, or being active and sweeping the sheds, it's the youngest players. And they go like, hey, freshman, pick that up. Hey, mm -hmm. freshman, go clean the back of the bus. Uh, but if you're going on attack legacy vision and you hit that legacy part, the oldest players, the seniors, the one that's leaving the earliest, they're the ones that's going to be the first ones to leave a legacy in your program. Right. So just from that first chapter, you can see how we want to be different. Now, I want those freshmen to do their part, but I just don't want it to be the traditional way. And I want them to learn the traits instead of being told what to do. I want them to learn from our best. And I want Case and Howell to teach Chris Stanfield, an amazing young player in our program, how to be a better center fielder than him. Um, that book is amazing for anybody. If you're just leading a company, if you're, if you want to come watch an Auburn baseball game and just see, maybe some things that we talk about, how you can see some of these, these things apply. It's a great book. It'll make make you better in all areas, whether you're a coach or, or what, whatever it is you're doing. Coach, you talked about what you're saying, building character uh, and everything. That's that's very strong. And, and like I said, our fans and subscribers love to hear those things because they get to see you coach a game, but they don't hear all these insights and details. And that's what the Own to Victory podcast is trying to do uh, from my NIL collective standpoint. There's two guys I just want to ask you about before I turn it back over to Mark. Uh, Bryson Ware and Tommy Vale both had, uh, you know, really good weeks. Uh, you know, Bryson hitting the ball, Tommy, you know, throwing the ball. Talk about those two guys and, and what they did this past week. Yeah, I go Tommy Vale. It's quick. He, he went to, to Notre Dame, played his career. Mm -hmm. uh, basically was at TCU last year, had a, had an elbow injury, uh, man, he's looked really healthy. It was a little slower in the fall. He's just now coming into his own. Uh, he threw four, you know, no hit innings last week for us, uh, maturity experience. When I said we've lost all this experience, 
here's a guy that's already played four years of college baseball that has it. So he is incredible for us. And, you know, he, he fills a void by a couple of guys, but I, I think of Carson Skipper, if our fans remember Carson last year, that is one of those five guys I mentioned earlier that's gone on to professional baseball. Tommy feels that need and, and has the talent to do it and absolutely the experience to do it. He's done an amazing job uh, for us. And he'll draw the start tomorrow night against UAB, which is another uh, important start for him. Bryson Ware is – I want this to be one of my favorite stories ever. You know, he was a junior college shortstop. He comes to Auburn. Um, we wind up um, moving him to the outfield, actually. Uh, he plays out there. Uh, the, the swings just okay. There's some swing and miss associated with it. Uh, it's a big jump in levels. He ends up, we asked him last year on the Omaha run to be an outfield defensive replacement. And in some of the comments I've heard him say, that people are interviewing him. He says, I, I got to the point where I said, I'm just going to be the best outfield def defensive replacement I can be. Um, tooled up. He's a prospect and wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And a lot of guys run from that situation. I think every time somebody stays in there, um, stays in the fight, feels like people have treated me right, um, I, I've gotten what I've earned so far, but never stop believing in yourself and believing in the people that you're around and you want to finish something. When everybody, any man, woman, team, club, et cetera, man, if you just, if you just stay in the fight, you're hard right. to beat. Right. Bryson Ware has stayed in the fight, and he's not only got off to a good start. Like, we might have lost two out of three with me coming on with you today. He had a game-tying home run on Saturday. He hits the go-ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth yesterday. He's played a great third base. He's bunted the ball. Um, he's in a great place. And, you know, he is just being consistent. And we are not concerned about the score of a ball game. And we just keep playing and we just keep staying in the fight. And this guy has done it as good as any young man that I've been around in the last decade or so, or, or as far back as I can remember. And I think every teammate realizes he's one of our hardest workers. Everybody knows his journey and how hard it's been. And I think he's showing those young players when the game is really hard because baseball can get really hard. It is a tough game. And when you see somebody like Bryson Ware never quit and stay in the fight and be hitting over 500 and already have six home runs and, and play a good defense and just consistently keep showing up, man, we are rooting for him. It is an amazing story. Uh, if he continues to, to be consistent in his play, like I, I think he's going to. I think he is showing enough to show this consistency. I think he's a national story as well. Bryson Ware is a – an amazing guy with a ton of character, and uh, he's just coming into his own. You know, Colonel Sanders, he don't look 18 on, on the chicken box either. You know, sometimes you just have to be patient, hang in there, because we're all going to have our moment in time. The only way you don't ever have your moment in time often is if you just quit. But if you'll stay in there, you'll, you'll, you'll finally get your face on a chicken box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Butch, uh, one of my all-time – favorite Auburn and athletes I was fortunate enough to be able to cover was Frank Thomas. And every time I come by the ballpark, I come in, I see the statue getting ready to be put up there. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story about him. And then I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the decision to honor him. Uh, St. Louis Cardinal scout was sitting next to me and what uh, passed for a press box 
back in that era at um, Plainsman Park, and uh, he's sitting there taking notes, and we talked a little bit during the game. And um, Frank Thomas took a pitch. It was outside corner on a two-strike count and hit it off the right center field wall. And anyway, after the uh, the scout was getting ready to leave right before, before the end of the ninth inning, I said, you mind if I ask you uh, what you thought about Frank? He said, I'm going to put it in my scouting report that uh, um, he's a good college player but doesn't have enough bat speed to hit major league pitching. I said, uh, I'm not a pro scout, but let me give you a little piece of advice. Frank hit the ball off the right center field wall because he wanted to. And I wouldn't put he doesn't have bat speed in my in my scouting report because he's going to make you look bad if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, talk about having the chance to honor probably the SEC's greatest hitter. Yeah. Let, let's, let, he is the SEC's greatest hitter. He's the only Hall of Fame player that's been elected to the Hall of Fame from our storied SEC. You know, and if it continues at the same rate this year, if it goes up the same amount it did last year in the last five years, on opening day major league rosters this year, there will be over 100 former SEC baseball players playing on opening day. That's incredible. The second conference, the second Power Five conference, may be 35, 40 slots behind that. That's how good our league is. And and Frank is still to date. And I think there's going to be some other ones coming. uh, But he'll sit as the only Hall of Famer. Uh, currently, it's a big deal, and it, it surprised me that he was as good as this league is for Frank to be the the only one's incredible. Um, as a coach, I can't say too much over thirty years where I thought somebody couldn't do something and they showed me wrong. It it's happened time and time again in this game, but uh, this has been a few years. I knew this as a fan because you know I'd had three previous stops in the Southeastern Conference before I got this opportunity of a lifetime. So I've been around our league. I'm over two decades in the league now. Um, it's been a blessing for me if it ends tomorrow. And so I'm at a part of my stage of coaching in this league and loving it that we have to honor our greatness. Um, And there's some other well-deserving statues at Auburn University, Uh, and I'm hearing them all, and I believe in them all. Um, But, you know, these things take years. These things are not like, hey, we need to do a statue, and th- there's a process. And this has been ongoing for, for years. Uh, this may have been a five-year odyssey to get to this point. And every one of our statues are deserving. There's more to come, and we need to get to work on others, but it is a process. Um, Frank's pre- pedestal's up. If you drive by Plainsman Park, you'll see some lights shining. It's set up for that uh, April weekend there. I think it's the 6th, 7th, and 8th. It's going to be amazing. We packaged it and partnered partnered with uh, a day football game. Uh, we have a home series against Texas A&M. It's going to be incredible. I think Frank's got 25 to 30 people coming in family. Every Auburn fan that can hear my voice that's listening to us here. Absolutely do your part, whether it's from afar, whether it's in person to show honor to this. This is one of the biggest things we've ever done to honor one of our own in Auburn baseball. It's incredible. Frank's excited about this. Uh, Last fall, I got to spend some time with him. Frank invited me and Alan Green up to the Field of Dreams Major League game that they do in Iowa. We just had an amazing weekend together. Uh, Putting all these details together uh, is going to be amazing. So for me, talk about legacy, and I don't like to do it for myself very often. And Alan Green had a huge hand in this. Uh, A lot of people behind the scenes, uh, Brand Ust was our administrator. 
a lot of these people helped and in, in, in to get this get this to this point. Um, and it's going to be uh, a big deal uh, for our program. And, and, and Frank's super excited. And, you know, you got you got Bo, you got uh, Charles, you have all these people that have been up and behind this um, that is so excited about this day. This is going to be one of the best days in Auburn baseball history uh, to honor Frank Thomas uh, and have a home series. And I've been fighting for years to try to get a day and a baseball series together. Uh, and we, we landed on it, landed on it the last time last year for the first time. And now it's back to back years. We're doing this. Hopefully this is a thing that we can continue to do because, you know, parking problems or whatever, let's have these good problems where there's so many people walking around Donahue and Jordan Hare and Plainsman Park and Neville arena, that it is a zoo a great Auburn zoo of us having a blast celebrating, you know, sports. Yeah, coach, you, can, you can also tell those people that want to go to the masters that weekend. They're an Auburn person. We need them to come to a day and even come to the A&M series and uh, come support Frank Thomas that weekend. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be a, a major, major weekend. Yeah. It's going to be one of our best. It, it, it's going to be incredible. And uh, I've never been to the masters. I had a chance to go a couple of times. I like baseball more. But uh, I would say this is a, one of those weekends to forego and, and 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 get into the full Auburn spirit. Right. And Mark was talking earlier. He was he was talking about the facilities. And uh, Mark, you want to go ahead and ask him that question? What you thought about them moving forward with the facilities? Yeah, uh, Butch. Uh, I know baseball fans know it, but maybe not all the general fans understand. Uh, SEC has gotten serious about baseball facilities and. Uh, uh, you guys, it's important to keep up with the Joneses in this league, and it looks like you're making some progress on that front. Yeah, we're excited. You know, we got board approval now, so I'm I'm comfortable. I never want to get ahead of the board. All the respect for for all that they've done for our program and for all all of Auburn. Um, so I've never wanted to get ahead of that. But we have received final board approval. Hopefully by July one, we're we're, we're fully going. Uh, we have a contractor now, um, and um, so things are a go. It's uh, probably the last little pieces and change orders and what everything looks like to get everything prepped and ready to go. Um, we didn't want to sacrifice a season. So you'll start seeing some construction uh, this summer, this fall into football season. And then you might see it shut down at the end of the year where we can play next season. I mean, we're pursuing a national championship too. Our, our goal is kind of, you know, World Series or national championship or bust. Even if we don't make the tournament or regional, that's we've worked hard to put our program in that situation. So we're going we're going to go for it, and we want to make sure that next season we can play in Plainsman Park, and then we'll we'll play the season, and then we'll come back. and I think everything will be done by the end of the twenty five season. So we'll we'll do some stuff in between this year. We'll play twenty four. We'll finish up, and then everything will be put together for twenty five. And hey, that is a huge piece. And there was two pieces that I want people to know. The, the driving force was revenue and drive-by. And you get young recruits and players that they come play in Atlanta, Georgia, or Birmingham, Alabama, on all these big events. And then they're going to drive around either before or after and see, you know, three or four SEC schools, basically. Maybe an ACC school in the footprint. And when they turn on to Donahue, I want them to – I want us to be competitive in the drive-by. Uh, but then the other piece for us is revenue, uh, whether it's – but, you know, if it's behind home plate or a club level down the first baseline or uh, seats on the monster, all these things are going to drive some revenue because all we've had is our chair back seats. And that's probably Plainsman Park is beautiful. 
And if you ask where we're behind the most, it's been probably that revenue piece or more streams of revenue. This is going to absolutely attack that and and make us competitive in that space. And I think it's going to give some of our our donors, um, uh, our fans, the people that really maybe want an experience besides chairback, places to go grab some food, places to socialize like you can do at Neville Arena, like you can do in a Broadway club at, at football and these different places. We're going to create that at Auburn Baseball now, and I want it to match those type feelings and those type of connections. And I know a lot of it's the same people, but we're going to absolutely create that revenue piece because if we can do that for Auburn Baseball, in addition to chairback seats, if we can get these revenue pieces online as our program is growing, we're selling more season tickets than ever. This facility upgrade is coming at a time where it's desired and needed you know oftentimes these expansions come when something's not going the right way or you're in the middle of something ours is coming and converging all at the right time i think that's another very powerful piece so um i'm super excited about it i think it's going to because i love going to neville arena and before a game back there I, i'm i'm always going straight to that popcorn hanging out hanging out with my people um uh, you know, football, I'm a I'm kind of a sideline guy, twist arms, and I just like sitting there watching our football team from the sidelines. But I love the socializing piece. I'm so excited about that happening at, at Plainsman Park. And then, you know, continuing to be able to recruit at a high level. So it, it's a balance. And I, you've heard me use that earlier. It's a balance of these facilities to stay competitive in the league. Uh, again, I think our program's close to being able to play on the national level consistently and go for winning the big one. Um, so this uh, name, image, and likeness is a huge piece. Owner victory is a huge piece for us. I know that. We know that because continuing to put that caliber of player out there, we have to balance all this. Five years ago, it was probably facility, facility, facility. It's not that way anymore. I want people to know that. And I want people to know as far as baseball, that it's not all in the bag. I, I want to know that we still have to work in these categories. There are some amazing things going. We've gotten approval, and we do have good support up in behind it. But I want you to know if you're thinking about these things, all these things are important to balance because they're important. If you just build facilities and don't go stay competitive in your space of the best competitive players you can be, we'll, we'll, we'll suffer. We'll have – all these little gatherings, all this nice stuff, and not be looking at what we want to look at. Um, if we just go do all players and don't do facilities, we when we create more revenue for Auburn baseball by doing these features to match our other primary sports, we'll be respected more. And I'm not talking about respect as far as winning and losing. I'm talking about respect as a program that is doing their part, that is is bringing stuff along, that has created value within our our campus community, not just in our athletic department. So I think, we're ready for, I think we're ready for it because I think our fans, I think the three years of sellouts, I think we've already selling out in February games. Um, I think it's our time. It's our town's time. If you look at all the growth going on in Auburn, if you look at like over 40,000 applicants that want to come to school here, every year this these next 10 years now i'm bullish i think auburn's about to be one of the greatest places in in the country in a ton of categories and i'm absolutely think we're about to burst at the seams and do something special 
Yeah, and Coach, you talked about that. Uh, you touched on a little bit of the NIL and the aspect of the importance of it. And you, you talk about guys like I know Mark's probably going to ask you about Irish here in a second. I'm going to let him get to that in a second. But since we're on the NIL piece, I just want to go ahead and chime in. Like everyone doesn't realize that all baseball players are not on full scholarship. You know, it's not like football and basketball where a lot of these guys are on full scholarship. And the NIL piece kind of helps them. So the ones that are not on full scholarship able to afford the other half of their scholar, other half that they need to pay for. So talk about the importance of NIL and how do you recruit on NIL like uh, nowadays? Yeah, you just don't, you know, you just can't, we just can't take it for granted in Auburn baseball. And you, you got it. The main reason why we are our fans and our people that want to support our Auburn baseball players through owner victory can't take it for granted. Cause I'll take football, basketball, I'll take volleyball. Cause I have three daughters, right? I love my, my girl strike one, strike two and strike three. Um, but if you look at an Auburn volleyball player, you know, that's a full scholarship. And then what else we have available for our student athletes? Cause we're second to none. So the Austin scholarship is there. And then there's a cost of attendance that comes off the total cost and Auburn's sitting at about 5250 as it currently sits. So you're talking about any student athlete that's a full scholarship student before they receive one dollar of name, image, and likeness money, they're 12 average of 12 grand above full. An Auburn baseball player is paying about an average of 18 grand a year just in cost of school. And I know people, I know I've heard reservations. I've heard people talk about it. And as coaches, we have to be so limited and, and back off, but understand that we have to continue to, I just want our people to know that, you know, don't take it for granted and that, that there's need in our sport because we're, we're not trying to get our guys to where they're just getting all this money. We're trying to get school first and then trying to get closer to whatever this is competitive in the space. And uh, because like an Ike Irish, Mark, if you're going to talk about him, what an amazing freshman to get to school, um, name, image, and likeness, absolutely, I believe, helped that family make a decision because, Jason, that's a family that turned down seven figures, you know. So, uh, you know, we're, we're fully invested in this young man to do our part. Uh, and at the same time, for them to do that, I don't want them at the end of three years as he enters professional baseball as a sincere prospect um you know having seventy five thousand dollars you know in loans and debt coming out of playing those are the things i think about and i hear some of the negative connotations of all this of where you know this money goes to i just i want people to understand our sports specifically and what we're driving at and trying to do because um you know auburn gymnastics probably wouldn't have got suny lee before nil and Auburn baseball probably would not have gotten Ike Irish before NIL. That, that's, uh, you know, he hadn't won an Olympic gold medal or anything in the all around, but to, he, he's that version for us, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, to me, Auburn over the years, since the lottery scholarship started popping up around the Southeast. Auburn's baseball has been at the biggest disadvantage of any sport on the Auburn campus relative to other teams in the SEC. I remember you guys, it's a while back, but uh, uh, losing a kid who really wanted to come to Auburn. Um, His brother had played at Auburn, and Florida offered him a partial baseball scholarship, and he's really smart. He 
Bright Scholar scholarship. And I mean, it was going to be very expensive for the family to let him go to Auburn. And he was going to be actually making money uh, while going to school if he went to become a Florida Gator. So that's, um, I think the field's starting to level out. So now, and NIL is a big part of that. It is because the scholarship thing never came and it still hasn't. The NIL IL is a chance for Auburn baseball specifically to, to make up ground there. So, and, and, and help our families not to have to incur, incur a bigger payment, you know, once their career's over. And, you know, you know, I don't know what it is around the country. Um, I don't know all the specifics of everything with our players, but, you know, I know I need to clear up, you know, it's not like Ike Irish is getting a million dollars a year to come play, play at, right. at Auburn University. It's not that. It's just, it, it's, it's whatever that is. It's a certain pretty modest spot that allows them to feel like that uh, they can de have delayed gratification and not go in the hole because they've been taken care of good enough that, uh, you know, he probably can have gas money and can probably go out and eat and can probably get his school paid for and uh, not have to have this big cost to come because they wanted to. So if he wanted to sign, he absolutely could have signed and we can't talk them out of that. They wanted that college experience. And Jason, as you know, or if you didn't, the major league baseball draft went from 40 rounds to 20 rounds now. Yeah. So you're going to see more families we went from drafting 1,200 players to 600. So where do those 600 players go? The best ones are trying to get in the SEC. Right. And it's only as good as our league is and as good as it's been for 20 years, it's never been better. And I tell and you, yeah. to even keep getting better as we go. And I tell you, a lot of baseball guys that I've talked to uh, before, a lot of them say it keeps them from going to the minor leagues, taking a chance of leaving college early. You know, you can be a, a sophomore or junior. You can come back for another year. You feel like you had a pretty good year, but not a, a good enough year to keep you out of the minors for a few years or have a shot to go play straight directly into the to the majors, which is hard to do. But they say having NIL now gives them a sigh of relief to be like, I don't have to force myself to go leave early when I can come back for another year. You know, mm -hmm. even if it's 50000 even if it's 75000 that's something that gives them a head start where they don't feel like they have to go chase something too soon and they're able to keep developing and keep growing. And, uh, and I think, like I said, Ike came here. One, I think we asked Ike, he loved Auburn. He said he fell in love with it when he came here and visit. Uh, we know his dad played for the Blue Jays and, you know, money is not an issue for them. But at the same time, he said Auburn was where his heart wanted him to be. And then once he's here, you know, NIL has helped take care of, you know, things that he needs to help take care of. But from a standpoint of keeping a lot of our guys here and you talk about building that culture, NIL is a big part of that. And NIL can help keep the culture together and not have guys have to make big decisions where they feel like they have to jump to the NFL, jump to the major league, jump to the NBA or even softball. You know, you got gymnastics, which is doing great now as well. So there's so many other sports. And it's not just one sport, but but you know, just talk about what that does for your culture and help keeping your guys in intact with each other. Well, you know, if, if teams in the SEC are getting higher level players because of the draft, because everything you just mentioned, I mean, it just makes what you're looking at better. It's a better product. It's more enjoyment. It's more competitive. Um, it's it's tremendous. I never wanted to put a lot on my parents, and I I, I probably did because I played college baseball and didn't get a full scholarship, but I was trying, I made a decision on the school and probably based on money because we didn't have a whole lot growing up. And I tried to put the least amount on my parents as I could 
uh, NIL can help kids not have to feel that way and choose where they think they should be with the group of people that they want to be with and, and be able to play at the highest level instead of just taking that piece out of the equation, I think is powerful. Uh, the second thing is by coming to college, you're sincerely pursuing two careers, right? If you just enter professional baseball out of high school, you're only pursuing one career and it better work out. It, it's, it's, it's major league or bust for us. Uh, but by coming to college, man, you're doing a couple of things. You're sincerely pursuing a degree now. You still want to be a major league ball player. Right. Uh, but you're going to get in the SEC, at least you're going to play in front of big fans. You're going to travel at a level probably better than you are at certain lower levels of minor league baseball. And your experience is tremendous. The other piece to that is that you're still with your peers. You're mm -hmm. still with your age group and you got two or three more years. And if you are in a good program with a good culture and good people and good right. veterans around you, you're learning good principles. You're going to be a better player. And when you get distracted and you get out and you get all these, these things coming to you out in the real world, it, it, you still have a little sheltered piece where you're with your age group, um, you're, you're, you're around good coaches, um, you're playing at a high level, um, you're more prepared. You're, you have a quicker trajectory to the big leagues. And, and I think now more than ever, a player that really wants to not just make the big leagues but have a sustained career in the big leagues, I think they're picking one of these SEC programs that they think you can make a difference. Like a Casey Mize, like uh, not drafted and turns into a first-rounder. Blake Burkhalter last year, a walk-on, and he was the highest-drafted reliever in Major League Baseball. Those are important features because that helps us drive the next family that says, yeah, I could really get a lot of money right now to enter professional baseball, but if I'll have a del delayed gratification, I can – get at least three years towards school. I can stay with my age group. I can play some competitive ball. I'm with people with a track record of development. That may be my best route to play five, six years in the big leagues instead of just trying to make it on my own with a, with a high school degree. All right. Coach, we appreciate it. Mark, you have one more. You let Coach get out of here. Uh, Butch is great. He uh, yeah. touched a lot of interesting topics and uh, – uh, to me, it's just exciting to see Auburn baseball at this level right now. And I've seen a lot of Auburn baseball since I was a little kid. And it's program's never been in better shape. Wow. Now I can test to that. Uh, like I said, I've been around Auburn for a long time, and our baseball program was in outstanding shape. Last year, no one even picked you guys. They picked you to finish last, and you guys made it all the way out to Omaha. So that's just a testament of coaching and testament of the character that you're building at that program. And subscribers fans Auburn family this is a reason we got to get behind this program continue to push continue to donate continue to subscribe uh coach we can't thank you enough for your time I don't know any coach that'll give uh you know a podcast this much time and effort and uh give people insight of what you're building here at Auburn and uh get a chance to know a little bit about these young men as they continue to grow for this program and uh we wish you much success in the rest of the season and uh hope you guys stay healthy uh, like I said that's the biggest part is being healthy at the right time. So, uh, Coach, we wish you the best, and thank you for your time in War Eagle. Jason, Mark, always enjoyed hanging out with you guys. So have a great day. Thanks for the opportunity today. War Eagle. I appreciate it. And everybody remember, April 6, 7, and 8, be in Auburn. It's going to be a special weekend. War Eagle, everyone. College athletics is changing, and the Auburn family will respond. On to victory is the NIL collective of the Auburn Tigers, and they're leading the way. 
I encourage everyone to go to ondavictory.com. Hey, Auburn family, let's continue to make a tremendous difference in the lives of these student athletes. War Eagle. War Eagle. Hello, Auburn family. Uh, welcome to the On to Victory podcast. We have a special, special guest uh, for you today. We've already introduced him earlier in the show uh, alongside our other two big time guests. But this coach here, he really needs no introduction. You know, six time national championship winner, uh, coach of the year. Uh, this guy, he, he does everything that you would want to as a parent. If you were sending your kid off to college, you would want him under you would want him over your kid and uh and showing them the way in, a, in the culture so coach greg williams is coming on our equestrian head coach coach how you doing i'm doing great thanks for having me on this morning oh we appreciate you coming on i also have our co-host mark murphy on here with us this morning mark's got his background all lit up he's ready to rock and roll and uh but guy we're gonna have a little fun we're gonna talk to our, our sponsors and and everyone is involved with nil and uh, kind of teach them a little bit about it but coach a lot of people don't don't get a chance to hear the ins and outs of what goes on on a daily basis when dealing with equestrian and dealing with, you know, even traveling. You have to go on the road. You know how 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 difficult right. it is to to win on the road. So, can you just elaborate a little bit on what equestrian is and and how you guys on a daily basis what, what your schedule looks like? Uh, well, the great thing there's a lot of work that goes into it. I think that's the one thing our new sport administrator. Uh, uh, that John Cohen put in charge of us because she does have an ag background, thought she'd fit. She's just still been amazed at how much work they do. And she said that's the one thing she would like to highlight if they could just see how much uh, physical work that they have to do out here. Well, they're, they're the only ones with a skill set to be able to do it. You know, so they're uh, um, pretty early mornings. It's uh, there are, uh, which I tell you why I'm sweating right now. It's so hot and warm outside <laughs> at the barn right now. It's a, uh, it's just a lot, it's a lot of work that they do that, that a lot of people don't realize. And then, you know, you and I have talked about it before, yeah, just the traveling. They they don't know what horse they're going to draw whenever they compete. And when you're on the road, you've got to ride the other team's horses. Um, so it, it, it's quite a tough endeavor. I've got a lot of a lot of our parents on our team are professionals. And I was a professional. And, I, you know, it's it's we fully understand what they do. And some, some of the ones that are pros right now, they said they can't believe what these girls get done on these horses. Uh, you know, with just a four minute warm up is all they get. So, um, you know, that that part is that that part is different. The, the best thing we have, though, is we we practice for the postseason all the time. You know, I mean, we love to win I, or actually I just hate to lose. I, I, winning's OK. I just hate losing. Um, so we we worry about the postseason all year long. So we don't try to make it easy on ourselves. But, man, when we get home, the Auburn people, the way they embrace this sport like they do the others, it's just amazing. So we don't get just home horse advantage here. We also get a crowd, and um, that it makes it really, really hard to compete at Auburn. Well, Greg, uh, you know, I've seen you guys since the very beginning. You uh, have. Program when Coach Dow's out there with the tractor helping, mm -hmm. helping get the thing, <laughs> the first arena competition area started. And you guys got some really nice facilities now. And uh, talk about the evolution sort of the program um, which is basically your baby. And uh, you've been, you really were the driving force in getting it started. I guess it's come a long way since you first got it going. 
Well, it has. I started it. You know, it's been a mission. It's it's really turned into the biggest part of my life's mission, I guess. You know, outside of family. Well, of course, my family's in it. I mean, they they were the ones that really backed me when everybody else said I was crazy. So it, it did. It started with a few girls. Uh, we started absolutely with nothing. You know, I called my mom, told her to bring every broke horse she had. Is sort of what we started the team with. I was borrowing horses. Um, didn't even have an arena, so we were spreading sand. Coach Dye did believe in me back then too. So. Um, it was, it was a small group and, uh, we just went at it hard and, and we just dreamed big the whole time. Uh, we did, uh, I did copy all the other sports. Um, uh, you know, I picked their brains, I watched their practices and I just dreamed of this being on a different platform than where equestrian was, you know, back in the time It was a relatively new sport. Only a few teams were varsity in the country. So it's, um, it, it's definitely the newest sport on the horizon, I guess, and uh, still is. So it's, it's, uh. It's been quite a, quite an endeavor, but it's been uh, so enriching at the same time. Over the years, I've interviewed a lot of your your riders, and the thing that stands out to me is like these are mature young ladies, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have been in responsibility positions since they were five or six years old. Right, they grew up around horses, and they had to learn how to take care of them. That meant before they went to school, they went out to the barn and fed the horses or clean whatever chores needed to be done. Right. They just developed a terrific work ethic. And, you know, I don't think there's any group of athletes on the Auburn campus that work harder at their sport than, than your folks do. Well, and, and we can we keep it that way too. You know, you had mentioned that, you know, our new facilities, our facilities are gorgeous and getting better all the time. We've got landscaping going on around it. Um, but that's not really what made Auburn Equestrian. I mean, it was a tractor shed with stalls built on the end that we built ourselves. You know, that was uh, what we competed and won, won our national championships Championships were, were you know, in, in that barn. And now that we have these nice facilities, um, we're still winning, but we're still doing things the hard way. Uh, it's Things are getting a little bit nice. We don't get to build as much out here now as we used to, but used to everything that was done, we did. And um, we still try to do that. Uh, we still do, even at the championships, we're the only team that does all their own braiding and banding and, and things like that. We could hire somebody to do that, but the vested interest is something I still believe in. So it started that 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 uh, do-it-ourselves mentality and culture that we started with. Uh, we keep that now, even in some of the areas that we probably don't have to, but I think that's why we why we win. Uh, that that uh, protect this house is not a slogan here. I mean, it's literally their place when a when a, when a visiting team is coming up our driveway, they have their own hours of blood, sweat, and tears in it, whether it's building fences, building arenas, painting jumps, um, doing all their own horse care, they do it. And so it's a, it's a true vested interest out here, and I believe that's a big part. I do it because I think it's good for them later on in life. But uh, the truth is I think that's uh, their vested interest is what makes Auburn so important and this place so important to them. There seems to be like a real culture in your program of the older riders, you know, passing down this work ethic and mm-hmm. this team camaraderie to the younger riders. Is, is this year's team uh, showing signs of that too? Um, they are. And we've got, I mean, you look at our group of seniors right now, that they're all extremely hardworking. And, you know, you, you talk to the, to the younger ones. I said, you know, this is not a, uh, because you're a freshman, but as as your own honor and your own pride, don't let the seniors outwork you. And 
the hard thing is it's really hard to work harder than those seniors do. So uh, it's almost an impossible task for the freshmen, but, but they can try, you know, and that's, but they at least see by example what um, they can be. And you see, you see them getting better every day because of it. Greg, the, uh, you guys had a pretty uh, exciting result the other day. Uh, we did. The number one team in the country, uh, not just defeated them by a mm -hmm. large margin. So, now you're preparing for SECs and, and, and then for the nationals. How's this team developing right now? It's going really well. You know, you want to peak it. You want to peak in the postseason. And these past three meets, you know, a really, really big win is if you can win by five points. And uh, now we've been at home and with huge Auburn crowds. I mean, that's a big the, the Auburn family is what really I mean, they they add points to the scoreboard just by the way they show up. Uh, our girls ride better. Everything feels better. The energy is unbelievable. But we've won the past three meets by 10 points. You know, I mean, that's double what a big score would be. So they're they're riding really well. They're riding strong. They're together. We're doing our SEC practices right now, which are a lot of fun because they're not having to go to class. Um, you get to have a, a little bit more time with them, not just in the arena, but a little bit more time together. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, I guess, next to football, we're the next largest team. You know, we've got 40-plus riders on our team. So uh, that being able to gel as a team is important because we can't put them all on one field. You know, we've got to divide them up in different arenas and time schedules to make practices effective. So um, this little extra time that they get to be together is actually fantastic. So we're going to be coming out of this week even stronger. You know, you mentioned the crowds being really good. Uh, every time I come out and watch you guys, there's a, for me, there's a lot of people there and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Folks I talk to out there say it's a lot of fun to go watch you guys compete because you could because the arenas are pretty large, a lot of space right. to get up close to. Right, right. You can see how big and powerful these horses are, and uh, you can see the skills of your riders, whether it's Western or whether it's the Hunt Seat competition. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it's just sort of a happening out there on, on meet days, isn't it? Well, we want to keep improving on that. You know, that's something you and I talked about a long time ago. Um, I, I felt like our job was to take care of the families of Auburn. That was the biggest piece. Winning is something that we're driven to do. Uh, but I thought for the best thing that this sport can do for Auburn is take care of the families. Best way you can do that is take care of kids. So the, the horseback rides and things like that, even the bouncy houses, all that add, adds to it. But I think a place where they can get – really up close, uh, petting horses, touching horses, uh, the paint a pony, the, the horseback rides, that's something that they, you know, is really very valuable to the families. And that's something I want to bring this, our passion for horses, try to bring it to everybody in the Auburn Opelika community. Uh, last year, the Nationals, I think for the first time, were down in Ocala. Right. Um, at a really nice facility down there. And you guys were really basically in charge of uh, mm -hmm. everything set up. Is it the same situation this year? It is. It's supposed to rotate out, but uh, uh, we had done it really. I feel like that uh, my staff had done such a good job that it kind of got thrust on them again. But it's uh, uh, the, the facility is just second to none down there. It's, uh, it's a great place to host it. And uh, it's, um, we're looking for another big one this year and just hopefully a better outcome for us at our championships. The um, – Who's going to be your biggest competition? Uh, East I, don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I would say right now, by the records, really, if you just go through the rankings, I think that, um, you know, us and SMU and, and TCU, maybe Texas A&M kind of sits up there at the top. And uh, 
but it's you know it's it's kind of, it's like a basketball tournament man one just you just can't go flat any day all of a sudden then number one or number two can just get taken out of the picture in the early rounds so um everybody's gonna have to be on on their game but i would say probably by the way the um scores have been running those four teams have have, have been the most dominant can you talk a little bit about your assistant coaches i know that you always go out of your way to explain to folks you know what important part of the program they are also well they're there you know it's they're like an offense and defensive coordinator and more each one of them behaves like a head coach well coach braswell is an associate head coach i mean she's been she's been with me now if you count her riding years at auburn this is her 18th year i think you know i mean and she just she just seems so young to me but she has been she has bled auburn through and through and she's she's by far the best jumping seat coach in the country and she's lived it and breathed it, but she's more than that. She's also an extremely talented at um, sport administration with our team and um, just the everyday logistics. And she had, I mean, she was the first GA we ever had. So she knows every piece of it too. And plus she was here when there was nothing. She was here when we had no scholarships. She was a member of our first national championship team. So uh, a lot of history there. Then Taylor Searles is in her first year as a, as a full-time coach, but she had five years here that COVID year. And she kind of, she, she was an undergraduate uh, assistant coach last year. And so she coached with coach Manili knowing that this was going to be our plan. And um, she's our most decorated Western rider. Uh, she comes from a family of professionals. Both of her, both of her parents are pros. So she grew up in this industry. So um, very fortunate to have her here, but she also completely understands the Auburn culture. And coach, you talk a lot about that culture. And uh, yesterday we was talking to Coach Bush Thompson. He talked a lot about culture and Coach Freeze. And uh, you know, people don't realize the importance of that. You know, like it is mm -hmm. coming to college, you want them to come in and buy into your culture. But how that happens is they got to look at the kids that's already been there. And right. It's uh, uh, to to have any kind of sustainability, it's got to be an entrenched culture, and it's hard to do because it basically means it's it's all the stuff you don't want to do. To be honest, you know, it's, um, you know, people talk about the will to win and things like that. What most people don't have is the will to prepare. And the, the true, true preparedness is, is extremely hard. Um, you just don't get to cut corners. And it's not for everybody. I mean, that's that's the one thing is just, you know, it's just not everybody's going to fit into that culture, no matter how talented they are. And you've got to be able to let those go. And you said something about you have 40 players and – so my question is, I have a confession to make. I never rode a horse. Uh, mm -hmm. I always was afraid of riding a horse because I said, if I fall off, break an arm or a leg, and there goes my career. Yeah. Um, uh, so you talk about, so I'll ask you this question. How many horses do you have to train if you have 40 players? And when you're training a horse, what's the hardest thing to get the horse to, to do? Because Well, we don't really train them. What we get, we have horses are donated to us. And we're, we're kind of, a, we are the rescue program for ex-show horses. You know, when they just get a little bit too far in their career to where you can't depend on them being sound or if they're just not quite talented enough. Remember, the, the riders go head-to-head -head on the same horse. So an untalented horse, uh, each, each rider is going to ride them. So... Um, that's how we get them donated. So we're not really training them, just kind of keeping them together. It's uh, um, if you take a bunch of, I don't know, 40 plus year old athletes and start putting them back in the game, it's like that. So a lot of it are your athletic trainers be big on that. It's, it's our vet school that's big, big on that with us. You know, we, we've got to manage them carefully, um, uh, treat them a little bit differently and, and uh, 
and and I'm constantly be monitoring their health. So it's uh it's just it's a bunch of old athletes, but it's great for them because they got forty something girls that love on them that uh they uh, get a lot of good attention. We get them as much turnout as possible, you know, so they're they're not stuck in a stall. It, it's a fabulous life for them. And if one of them is you know is off that day, that one would go back out, and another one goes in its place. So. But we also run a teaching program here. We also have a club team program here. So between all of them, you know, we run about 60 horses for the teaching, for the uh, club team, and for the NCAA team. And, you know, in that, each horse can have a have a play in, in all three of those entities. Awesome. And, Coach, just get down to the meat and potatoes, transitioning here a little bit. You know, when it comes to college sports now, everything is changing. You know, NIL, name, image, right. likeness has kind of taken over you know, a big role in, in collegiate sports. And, you know, you're talking about student athletes. And when they're coming out of high school, you can't really recruit on NIL because they have to be a student that's already enrolled right. on campus. Talk about the effects of what NIL can do for the question program and how it can help your your student athletes here in the future at Auburn. Well, the, the first thing for us is um, that basically we're almost recruiting many professionals. What what allows one to be an amateur in the equestrian world would be different from a, a lot of the other sports. A lot of ours are winning a lot of money and that doesn't count. That doesn't count against them, you know, because they got they got other expenses that they can can use against that. But the biggest thing they they all they have are um, sponsorship packages with uh, with companies, and they used to have to turn those down as soon as they started college, and that was a uh, yeah that was a tough deal for them. Um, now that's that's allowable, so that's a big piece for us at Name, Image, and Likeness is allowing uh, is allowing these riders to be able to maintain their their relationships, and for some of those that are going to go pro, then uh, they're going to need all those so all those. Uh, companies to keep a relationship with them so as they go pro they don't have to start all over when they when they leave college and and getting those type sponsorships so that part is big um i think what's really going to help us the most is is we're we're an equivalency sport like baseball you know and we're running 40 something girls uh you know a lot of ours there's certainly a, a good bit of money in our sport and that's one thing that makes our sport good here is we get a lot of support um, but that wasn't able to go to some of the girls directly in the past. And now that's going to be able to, because a lot of our kids that are coming from the industry, um, you know, their pockets aren't very deep, you know, and this is a big deal for them to, um, to, to be able to go to college and not have to immediately go into the, into the pros. And so um, it allows them to do what they love, but it actually be, uh, get an education and we get to have these great riders because of it. So that's going to be a big piece in the future. And I think just the knowledge that they know they have that opportunity is probably the biggest thing that we don't have to recruit with it. But I think right away when we have to say you don't have to give up uh, their corporate sponsorships, that's that's probably the big one right off the bat. We would have had several other people could have gone to college if they wouldn't have had to separate their uh, sever their ties right off the bat. Yeah, and that's huge. Like you said, that give kids the opportunity to either choose to stay in school and finish their getting a degree while they're right. still participating in the sport and not feel forced to have to just go chase a dream right right off the bat. So, uh, you know, I think that's outstanding. I think you do a great job, Coach, what you've done for Auburn for 20 plus years. Uh, like I said, being a professional yourself, people don't know this. You walk away from professionalism in order to, to start this program here at Auburn. And, you know, what's the biggest thing that you've enjoyed the most along this journey? 
Oh, uh, you know, there's so many times I just can't even believe, you know, where it's gone. Um, but just yesterday I was saying that, you know, they were laughing and having fun. And I said, you know, that's probably my greatest joys when you just see a group of driven women like that when they're just having fun. I don't think it's the championships that we've won. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of those. I think it's the accomplishments that they do. The fact that what they've built out here, and it literally has been, you know, from the hard work of the girls before them and these current ones. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing is, you know, I love, I love equestrian and I love Auburn university. I'm an Auburn kid. So my favorite thing is that Auburn university is known all over the equestrian world in the country. And I think that's probably what I'm most proud of is that for a state that's not been all that big in horses, uh, Auburn's name is known everywhere in the equestrian world. Sure. So that that's that's probably it. All right. Well, Coach, we appreciate it. Mark, do you have anything else for Coach? No, I'm just going to wish him good luck. SECs are coming up in South Carolina mm -hmm. later this month. And then the Nationals, April 13th through 15th down in Ocala. And uh, it's um, – Auburn's always a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I mean, this is a, it is a, it is the, uh, you know, everybody talks about the crazy of, of times it is, but I tell you what, it's, uh, um, you know, we all know I'm, I love our sport, but our, our bell cow of football, if, you know, we've, we've got to take care of it and you guys, you know, this organization that you're doing podcasts with right now, that's, uh, uh, I'm very thankful to them. Very thankful to them to, to keep us in the running. Well, Coach, we appreciate everything you're doing. And like I said, like you're a great ambassador for our university and our coaches and any, you know, I think recruit that comes here and, and play under you, I think they're getting a great treat because it's not just learning about, you know, the question. They learn a lot about life skills and to be able to do it as long as you've done it. It takes a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work and a lot of commitment and sacrifice. And that's what it's going to take in the real world in order to be a great. Thank you. Thank so, you. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your time and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle. All right, there you have it. That was Coach Greg Williams, our equestrian coach. Uh, you know, what an outstanding job he he does each and every year. And people don't ever take it for granted to have that type, that type of coach that's that's loving and dedicated to his players and uh, building the right culture here at Auburn. So thank you for coming on to the Own to Victory podcast. This is Jason Campbell, my co-host, Mark Murphy. Tune in next week to see which special guests we will have joining our show. Thank you. War Eagle, this is John Cohen and I fully endorse On to Victory and its mission to support our student athletes. Let's all do our part and join On to Victory today. War Eagle.